Hey kids, Mandy here, and I wanted to personally invite you to join me for Cincinnati Song Initiative's first ever Fellowship of the Song, happening May 20th through 25th. In addition to a week full of amazing concerts, song workshops, and classes, I'll be leading some seriously fun study events on heartwarming topics such as murder ballads and exploring death through music and poetry. Should be a great time! (laughs) You can participate as an auditor, whether you come to Cincinnati in person or join remotely from your comfiest couch. And the best part is that all the week's events will be recorded for unlimited viewing through June 26th. So, what are you waiting for? Head to cincinnatisonginitiative.org forward slash audit to learn more about this groundbreaking new program for song. And I hope to see you in person or online. Good evening and welcome to Follow the Leader. With me, your host, Mandy madrid Sikich. I have here with me my wonderful housemate, Deborah Wood and Tyler Reese, and we're going to be talking today about one of my favorite songs. Of course, I know I say that for like every single <laughs> so but they are my favorites. Um, we're going to be talking about a song by Schubert called Aufenthalt from his song cycle Schwanengesang today. So let's just dive right in. I walked in today and I was like, are you doing another depressing song again today? <laughs> And I just loved your facial expression. You were like, kind of caught off guard, like, depressing. And I'm like, yes, it's depressing. <laughs> <laughs> They've all been very depressing. Well, I think it's because they make me, yes, the content is so depressing and dark, but <laughs> the songs themselves, playing them, being a part of them, learning about them, makes me really happy. There's this one song in, uh, in Winterreise that, literally makes me so happy. I cannot play it without smiling. <laughs> but he's talking about his frozen tears and that he doesn't he doesn't even know how long he's been crying for. Oh, <laughs> That's so funny. So let's get cracking. Uh, the text for Aufenthalt was written by Ludwig Rellstab. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about him first before we dive into our song. So Rellstab was born in Berlin in 1799. He lived there his whole entire life. He died there in 1860. He was the son of a music publisher and a composer. So he was around music from a very young age. And also he was trained as a pianist. Uh, So he even performed the occasional concerto with orchestra, you know, as one casually does when one is young. (laughs) He tried to join the army when he was young, but he was rejected because he had pretty poor eyesight. So uh, he had to wear glasses. So when that didn't work out, he still wanted to get a job with the military. So he got a job teaching history and math through the military. I'm not exactly sure in what capacity. We really only know about him because of Schubert's songs. So I mean, now in the day, he was very famous for uh, music criticism. He was eventually presented with the opportunity to become a journalist to write for um, a newspaper. So the newspaper that he wrote for in Germany, it was comparable to sort of like what the New York Times is here today. And it kind of is interesting. It was established in 1721 and was considered like the German nationalist paper until it was dissolved during the reign of the Third Reich. And it was actually replaced with a like a Nazi sanctioned paper. Gotta repress that free speech. Um, are you okay? Yep. Yeah, so 
there's something in my eye. And I just burritoed myself in my blanket. So I was trying not to take my hand out. <laughs> That's the worst. Well, I don't know if you've been watching me trying to fold myself in for the past like three That's minutes. That's what I do every night when I get in bed and I have myself. And I usually get in bed before Brian does. And I'm like perfectly warm, cozy, in the sheets. I've d- arranged everything, tucked it all perfectly. And then he like jumps in bed, rips the covers out, lets in this cavern of freezing cold hair. <laughs> I get so grumpy. I mean, I know on a s- the scale of like worldly catastrophes, it doesn't even rank, but it feels like one. <laughs> uh, but back to Relstab. So he's writing for this newspaper when he realizes, hey, I know a lot about music and I also really like making my opinion known. Why don't I write more music critiques? So he does. And he has an opinion on just about everything. In fact, he was so outspoken in his opinions that a common saying was this, the true Berliner only believes in the correctness of his own opinions once they have been confirmed for him by Relstab. <laughs> uh, yeah, he was just so outspoken about everything, really, but especially when it came to uh, opinions about music. So in musical taste, he was a conservative. Like, he liked Bach, and he liked Beethoven and Handel. At Mendelssohn and after, it was just, it was too modern. It offended his refined sensibilities, right? He thought that Schumann and, like, Chopin were hacks not worthy of listening to. Um, so he sort of established this relative monopoly on music criticism. But, so question, yeah. um, back in the day, was Chopin famous while he was composing? Because I was under the impression that he was. Yeah, but just like today, everyone has their opinion. Like, Yeah, it, I'm just curious that, like, this guy seems like he's the gold standard in or berlin probably oh, so chopin berlin, was okay. in paris right so uh i think it depends on where you were and like the taste of the time like vienna they had their very specific viennese taste which were different than taste in berlin which was different than the taste in paris which was different than like polish national music that you might have coming out of war like that sort of thing like there's so many different facets of it but yes, that's a very I guess I'm question. looking at it from like a more modern perspective of how like fluid music is, you know, around the world. And yeah. There are certain ways of thinking where there's one way and that's the only way. Yeah. And I believe that Relstab is kind of from this music should be one way. Yes. This way. And anything else is substandard. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, so not very inclusive way of, which I think doesn't allow for, uh, innovation. And actually after he gained success in his, in his writing, he always kept trying to repeat the same thing over and over again, instead of doing something new and innovative. So he was like sort of stuck in his glory days. Like he never did anything better than like the best thing he did, like midway through his life. Say he was always trying to recreate the same success. Got it. Okay, similar to his taste in music. Yeah, I think so. Like, let's just keep writing music like Bach, like Beethoven, which is kind of funny, actually, that he thought so highly of Beethoven because Beethoven, by the end of his, like, third period of music, was kind of getting out there. Didn't he kind of usher in? Yeah, he's what we call one of those bridge composers that ended up pushing the boundaries, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at one point. So, uh, real job, right. This is fascinating and also related to Beethoven. Uh, He's the reason we know the Moonlight Sonata as such. 
1832, so this is after Beethoven uh, died, uh, when writing about Beethoven's piano sonata, Opus 27, number one, he likened the effect of the first movement to that of moon sh moonlight shining on a lake. Within 10 years of, of him writing that piece about the sonata, the name had stuck and it was being reprinted with the nickname on it. So all that brings us to the reason that we're talking about Rellstab today. Um, he also wrote some poetry. And actually, there's a really interesting story about how this text that we're going to talk about today, how it uh, came to be a part of Schubert's cycle. So uh, the story goes that Rellstab uh, went to visit Beethoven in Vienna in 1825. And According to his reports, he says that Beethoven was so kind and generous and like really interested in Rellstab's work and was encouraging him to continue in it. There is some thought that that part might not be true because no one can really confirm or deny that. And why wouldn't you want to say that Beethoven painted you in this great light, yeah. right? <laughs> Maybe a little bit of tooting of his own horn. We do know that he did go to visit and that he did bring him some of his work. Uh, so Rellstab just left some of his poems with him. But those poems sat untouched until Beethoven died when his assistant picked them up and passed them on to none other than da, 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 Franz Schubert. <laughs> uh, so Schubert set them, and they were later published after he died. So he set them very near the end of his life, and they were published as part of a set, like posthumously, as part of a, the set that we now know as Schwan and Gazang. Uh, there's been debate over whether Schubert would have intended these settings. So Rellstab wrote seven poems. And then there's, I think, another seven. Oh, I, can't, I can't remember. Is there four, there's 14 songs in, in, in Schwan and Gazang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's another six and then one by um, Zeidel. Uh, anyway. It's up for debate whether Schubert would have wanted these published together because he often didn't mix poets. Every other cycle that he composed, it has poetry by one poet. But I was reading an article that Graham Johnson wrote about how that might actually be up for debate, how in the manuscript, it actually goes seamlessly from one poet to another. And so, like, that's kind of weird. But we just don't know. So... Now, with that, we have skillfully woven to the next segment, which is where we talk about our song. And actually, we're going to do things a little bit differently today, too. Uh, we're going to, I'm going to give you the translation of the poem. And then before talking about everything that Schubert does, we are actually going to perform it. And then we'll talk about it some more. And then we'll perform it again. I just, I think for reasons that will make themselves clear later, it, 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 it's going to work well that way. I have spoken. So I hope it works out. <laughs> so here we are talking about our song. So Aufenthalt, translated literally, it means stopping place. People have often translated it as resting place, but that's not technically correct. It's more like a stopping place. It's from the song cycle we know as Schwanengesang. And Rellstab, he wrote seven of these poems. Rellstab's poems are placed first in the cycle. Aufenthalt is the fifth poem within the cycle. And I would say that Aufenthalt is my favorite from the cycle. But then if we talked about the next one, I would say that's my favorite. And then if we talked about the next one after that, I would say that's my favorite. So it's just filled with my favorite songs. <laughs> I wrote in all caps, they're all favorite. <laughs> <laughs> so let me give you, I, when I do my translations, 
I try to be as literal as possible, which often doesn't end up with a very poetic English sort of idea, but I think it's, I try really hard not to rearrange or take liberties with the ideas as much as possible, just because I think that that literal word for word is important. So if something seems clunky or kind of clumsy, just bear in mind I've, I've done that on purpose. I'd rather you know word for word than, um, than not. Anyway, here we go. Here is my translation. Rushing river, roaring forest, rigid rock, my stopping place. Just as wave flows upon wave, flow my tears eternally renewing. High in the treetops, a stirring and heaving. So unceasingly does my heart beat. And like the rock's ancient oar, eternally unchanged remains my pain. Rushing stream, roaring forest, rigid rock, my stopping place. It's pretty intense, right? Yes. I, I just love, I mean, we know in German romanticism, right? Like we're finding our feelings mirror, mirrored in nature. Mm-hmm. This idea of flowing, my tears flowing eternally renewing, just as a wave flows upon wave, and also that eternally unchanged remains my pain. <laughs> Relatable! <laughs> so that's the poem. We're going to go ahead and perform it for you right now, and then we'll talk about how Schubert did work his magic.
to be or from the text I imagined it was going to be a little bit softer than it was it makes sense when you said like oh there's resolve in it and stuff and I guess looking back there are like lyrics in mm -hmm. it that make sense why it sounded like that mm -hmm. but it took a different direction than like I originally wait was so thinking. you thought it was going like you thought it, it was going to be softer yes really that's so interesting okay um, this is why I love song because can you just hold on to that thought yes because we're going to come back to that, but I don't want to get ahead of myself. Got it. Excellent. Okay, so let's talk about this protagonist first, okay, before we get to that. So our protagonist here, he is a tormented person. When he's talking about this rushing stream, this roaring sort of forest, what did I put? Yeah, roaring forest, um, this rigid rock, and, and talking about this wave that flows upon wave. There's really a lot of movement, a lot of agitation, kind of like this wild unrest, right? And he seems to be alone here. He seems to be sort of out in nature, sort of displaced from society, I would say. He doesn't see, he's not actually pointing to anyone. He's not saying, oh, and you've made me feel like this or you've caused this. He's isolated and he's gone in, into nature alone. When, his, when the voice comes in, it's fairly resolute. So even though there's a lot of unrest and sort of agitation around him, it seems that he's not necessarily fearful of what he sees. Also, when uh, there's that, that middle verse, uh, it talks about high in the treetops, and that's when it sort of went to the major. It, he says, high in the treetops, there's a stirring and a heaving. So unceasingly does my heart beat. It's a little bit more, more delicate there. And when he's looking at those treetops, that's when the music changes, and there's like a doubling of the, of the melody. So almost like there's something there with him, but that's like in consonance with him. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. I think that it's kind of ironic that the name of the song, it's Stopping Place. What do you do, like, at a place where you stop? Like, what's something that you normally do? Um, I guess I'm, 
I kind of set up camp a bit. Exactly. You're gonna, if you're going to settle in, you're going to sleep, you're going to eat, right? Maybe renew your energy, build up strength. But that's not what we have here. Here he stopped to what exactly? I don't know because so then like now that this is so interesting to me because now that we're diving in deeper, I guess I think I felt this before. When I think of this stopping place, I'm sort of, when he points to like the rigid rock, I think Graham Johnson has uh, translated it immovable rock. I was trying specifically not to use that word because I didn't want to be like, oh, I'm copying Graham, Graham Johnson. Um, <laughs> but I like that idea of this immovable rock. Um, I, and I think it's symbolic actually of something that's not moving out of the way, either for good or for bad. And I think maybe it's giving him shelter, but maybe it's also in the way. I think by the end of this piece, I mean, it's still all unsettled, but there's, there's a bit of resolve in it, or not resolve, there's a bit of resignation, sort of, this is the way things are. You're going to play your triplets piano, and I'm going to sing my duplets, and that's just the way it is. What's interesting about this song is he, he doesn't specifically say what's making him feel like this. So you, it, could be, it could be romantic love. It could be something entirely different. It could be a vice. It could be, do you know what it I mean? It could be existence, yeah. It, it could, could be, be, it could it be could just f***ing existing. <laughs> yeah, just like some people don't, they're just, it's in their nature not to be in that calm, serene place in life. Like, it, that almost feels wrong. We were literally just talking about this today. Oh no, it's too real, too real. Move on, move on. <laughs> Let me play the intro again. Actually, that is the next line I have here. <laughs> um, yeah, because I wanna talk about, um, there, there's a lot of conflict in this song in ways that uh, aren't necessarily apparent. We just have to think of a little bit more. So I, I'm going to move back to the piano. Uh, Tyler, you stay right there. Okay, so I'm going to play this intro again for you. So there's a couple of things going on here. There's a struggle or a conflict between the triplets and the duplets, right? Which you could hear because I played them pretty badly right now. <laughs> Um, so anyway, the duplets are in the left hand, so the beat is divided into two parts. One and two. One and two. But the right hand is in triplets. One and a two and a one. And so to be able to put those together in a way that doesn't sound like... Okay, do you see what I'm, what I'm yeah, getting at? it sounds like I just took over. <laughs> it's just a bit of a struggle. It's a bit of a conflict. It's a bit unsettled we know we're battling something also the fact that this line is in the left hand it's a very rich cello right <laughs> sorry it's something with gravitas to it it's not like a little piccolo playing this line yeah. um we know this is something substantial and then Tyler comes in, the, the vocal line comes in, and he's also in that duplet rhythm. So we're kind of going back and forth this whole time with this struggle between us, that we have to make this fit together. Um, there, another conflict that I find pretty fascinating is this idea, the, the first word of the poem is rauschende, and that's a, it's a word in German that's very like full of turmoil. But our, our dynamic level, when we come in, it's piano. And actually, the whole first page, it's piano. Which is a very interesting idea if we have this, like, the, this, this 
rushing stream, this this roaring forest. You would expect, I would expect it to be loud, like. Do you know what I mean? But it's not like that. It's the exact opposite. And I would expect if you were going to say the word rauschende, that you would say rauschende. Instead, he sets it. It's almost this suppressed energy. I think that actually makes it even more loaded. Like, it, you can't see me if you're listening on the podcast right now, but I'm literally, like, shaking as I say this really quietly. <laughs> I like these, um, this, this dynamic uh, hairpin. So uh, in a, a couple of these measures, there's a crescendo immediately followed by a diminuendo. So it's this sort of um, the piano is supporting this idea of this surging forth. So... Oh yes, this text painting at wave upon wave. So uh, I think it's probably at the bottom of that, of your first page there. He says, just as wave flows upon wave, flow my tears eternally renewing. And he does this great thing with the vocal line. The vocal line is here um, to start out and it does this interval and then it goes down and then it goes up even a step higher and it goes back down and then it goes a step higher and then it goes a step higher so it's like this wave after wave after wave on itself um tyler do you want to sing that That's probably one of my favorite, favorite parts about this. I'm so sad I can't sing that low, low uh, note. <laughs> uh, were you going to say something, Deb? It looked like you had something to say. No, I, th I was just agreeing with you. Cool, as you should. <laughs> okay, so there was one other thing I wanted to mention, and that's this middle section. I know we talked a little bit about it. So the the set, the verse that we just did, we were talking about, you know, wave upon wave, and then um, this line where he has a that is um, we're in this pretty dark place, and this is the piano interlude. But then we go somewhere different. Sorry, I can't play and talk. And all of a sudden, we've gone to the relative major, and we know, oh, we're actually going to explore a different aspect here. And this is where he says, high in the treetops, like moving and or heaving and, uh, and stirring, unceasingly beats my heart. So we've had these triplets, which before have been water. I think they're now the beating of his heart. just that makes sense. heartbreakingly beautiful and Schubert has a way of doing that he uh, does that in uh, Winterreise where he's in minor uh, he's in the minor the whole time I think that's originally in D minor right but then for the last verse he just shifts suddenly to D major without preparation it's very effective he sort of it kind of like takes the rug out from under yeah. you it's like <laughs> whoa no where am I um, but often it it has the effect of what he was saying before being more heartbreaking. It's like more heart-wrenching when you hear it in the major, like, oh my God, he's so brave. 
<laughs> um, so here we go to the relative major here. So it's not that. Um, it ends with us feeling in a different mental space, a different emotional sort of space. And this is the verse where he, he's talking about his heart and, and the piano and the voice for once, they're in sync with each other. My left hand plays exactly what Tyler sings. Um, Tyler, do you want to sing that with me? We'll do that whole section, yeah. Um, I'll give you two bars. Actually, I'll do the interlude. to this, uh, to our age-old pain <laughs> that we cannot be free from. So the last verse is the one which is talking about, uh, yeah, like the rocks ancient or eternally unchanged remains my pain. And then it's interesting to note that we have a repeat. The, la the very last verse is the same as the first verse. And um, that's Relstop's doing, actually, in his original poem. He wanted it to end with the first stanza again. So it ends with a rushing stream, roaring forest, rigid rock, my stopping place. But I think once we've come back to it, we have that feeling of resignation that this is the way that it is. We haven't, it's not an acknowledgement of the way things are, but a moving forward. It's an acknowledgement of the way things are, and we're resigned to that. I just have to say this hilarious thing. I, I was reading in the in Graham Johnson, of course, as always. And he starts this little blurb about this song. He says, um, this song is a great favorite of the set, particularly for amateur baritones who enjoy a dramatic outing. Amateur baritones? And just, just FYI, Tyler is not an amateur baritone. So I, I just thought that that comment was, was funny. <laughs> so here we are, going to be dramatic once more with Aufenthalt. Schlägt. Hoch in den Kronen, Wogen 
All right. Did it strike you any differently this time through? Yeah, I mean, it did hit me differently, probably just because of the analysis that happened in yeah. between the two. I think I probably in enjoyed it this time more, though. Once something is, like, once you take the time to actually dissect it and, like, dive into it, it's like, oh, yeah, that's awesome. Like, yeah. And I think you connect to it more, right? And it's it just comes alive a, a bit more, I think. It's kind of even that way, like, with a movie, you go see if someone then explains to you, oh, this is how this was done or this is what's going on here. And then you watch it and you're like, oh, that's fascinating. Yes. Um, okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us on today's episode. Um, my name is Mandy Madrid-Sikic, and I have been here with my wonderful housemate, Deborah Wood, and absolutely brilliant baritone, Tyler Reese. Uh, this has been another episode of Follow the Leader, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Before we pack up, I'll get Zara to sing. Yeah. I love when he sings so hard that he sneezes. Yeah. <laughs> it'll, it'll, like, resonate so hard that he'll just, like... <laughs> he but then he also breathes out afterwards. He's like... <laughs> it's so great. Zara, are you going to sing? <laughs> If you love this podcast, then you'll love the Song Cycle podcast, also by Cincinnati Song Initiative. Song Cycle introduces the coolest and awesomest leaders of the song world today and dives into getting to know them and their unique stories, where they think song in the 21st century is headed, and lots of other great topics. If you're looking for your next source of inspiration as you continue on your own musical journey as a song lover, look no further than Song Cycle with me, your host, Sam Martin. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and join the conversation.